Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 345 of the Talking Comics Podcast. This week, I am your host, Mr. Joey Bracino. Yeah, very exciting. And I am here with Mr. Bob Ryer. Hey, I'm glad everyone survived World Asteroid Day. (laughs) The co-host of Ladies of Valhalla, Miss Sarah Miles. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Ah, very nice. And the creator behind such wonderful books as Hench Girl and Making Friends from Scholastic, and Modern Fantasy, which we'll be talking about this evening, uh, Ms. Kristen Gutsnick. Hey! Yay! Welcome back! Thank you for having me back. I'm so excited to be back. It was so much fun last time, so... Yeah, it's been about a... Don't screw it up. (laughs) ...year since you've been on. I think I looked it up. The last time was episode number 290... Whoa. Uh, in which we talked about Batman number 24, which featured the proposal. <laughs> so circle. we're full circle yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, we got a crazy show lined up for you today. A lot of comics to talk about. Um, obviously, we'll talk about Batman number 50 and everything that's been going on with it this week ahead of the release date. Today at midnight, a lot of shops are doing that. Um, we'll catch up with Kristen and Sarah, and then we'll jump into some lightning rounds and do some open uh, discussion on some some big milestone books. Uh, big favorite here on the podcast, reached a big number 50 uh, with Miss Marvel. Um, and a little bit of news, and, and that's it. Does that sound like a show to you guys? Yeah, nice. Awesome. Um, Kristen, let's catch up with you a little bit. Um, just to catch us up with your, our listeners, um, what is your like abbreviated comic book origin story? Like, you know, what got you um, on the show? What, what brought you to the show? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I always liked drawing comics when I was like a kid and everything because I like to draw and I like to write. And um, actually, what happened is one time I went to a drink and draw and I won a free uh, comics class voucher. <laughs> and I was like, I got to use this voucher. And uh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I should come up with a comic idea. And that's how I thought of Hench Girl. And then I had this class to take where they actually taught you like what supplies to use and like how to draw comics. So it was kind of like those that random um voucher that i got kind of spurred me to really take comics seriously so wow. that's kind of my origin story that's amazing that's and then so... I, I i self-published for a while and then i, I my book hench girl got picked up by scout comics and then by dark horse they put out the trade and here i am today nice yeah all because of that <laughs> drink and draw mm. yeah <laughs> 
Alcohol is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Funny, at, at Orange, the thing with Hench Girl, Steve and I used to do covers of the week. And in the Midtown Comics releases of the week, I saw the cover for Hench Girl and I went, I, I just love that, and I have to read this book. Oh, thank you. Yeah. 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 I worked hard on that cover. The funny thing about the cover for issue one of Hench Girl is that I didn't know what to draw for the background of the city that she's in. So I just took my dog for a walk and took a picture of like the, <laughs> the streets near my house and just like used that for like reference. So it's research. My, my neighborhood. Yeah. That's how you do it. it. It's that real world that Stan used to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Of course, I'm, I'm sure that in your neighborhood there isn't a store that's called Crepe Pizza. No, no, no. It was, it was just like a bunch of 99-cent stores. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, I have three intro questions for you <gasps> that I just wrote. Are you ready? Yes, I am. Question one. What gets you most excited when you get up to work at your comics workbench that I imagine you have in your office? Um, <laughs> well, uh, I, I have like a, a shit ton of deadlines and those <laughs> definitely get me out of bed. In the morning. <laughs> you know, the, you never underestimate the, the power of uh, like anxiety and the desire to not fail. <laughs> um, that's probably the main one. Um, I, I don't know. I also, I naturally just like drawing, so cool. it, it works out for me. I, I think that just making stuff feels very like cathartic. So it's never been much of a problem motivating myself, at least for the comics part. Do you have any secret projects that we can breaking news right now on the show? <laughs> no, I don't. Ah. <laughs> Like, no, yeah, you don't have any up. secret projects? Or no, that we can't talk about them on the show? I guess that, I have one that that's one. a secret project, but I can't talk about it because I was told not to. Oh, that's <laughs> but, rough. But Bob knows about it. <gasps> <laughs> wow. Okay, Just don't say it. <laughs> I won't. I know. I uh, sworn to secrecy. Okay. Question three. <laughs> Why is Mulan the top of your Disney 4? Is it because she's the best? Um, <laughs> That's a loaded question. <laughs> that is a good question. Um, I didn't rank them, though. I, I really like all those characters pretty much equally. But Mulan is, like, super awesome. I like her because she's, like, she was, like, the first Disney princess to kind of break away from, like, the gender norms. And also, like, she's such a badass warrior. Yeah. I loved that movie so much when I was a kid. But my other ones were like Dumbo's mom. <laughs> and then I wanted to put the mom from Brave, but I just didn't have enough room. And uh... <laughs> yeah, no, Mulan's awesome. Have you watched Mulan recently? No, I haven't. Oh, I watched Why? it. Why? Maybe... Is there something I'll realize? No, like no. two weeks ago, it was just like on uh tv and it was like the last like 20 minutes of mulan was on and i was like i'm gonna watch it and i just started bawling like out of context last 20 minutes of the movie i went up got some ice cream i ate like half the pint just watching the end of mulan just is out the of part context. with like the emperor and stuff yes when when she like when um 
when uh, she gets kicked out of the army for saving everybody, and then she like goes and saves the town anyway because she's freaking Mulan. <laughs> I love that. Part. Oh, I just started <laughs> weeping, weeping. But Joe, oh, you didn't God. cry at anything. All right, Sarah. <laughs> uh, Sarah, congratulations on England's big win today. Thank you very much. I am going to take personal credit for it. Excellent. Did you Is go out and like? Soccer? Uh, yes, the, the football. Football. <laughs> Um, did you go out and like burn couches? That's what we do here in America when our team wins. <laughs> Turn over police cars. Burn and... what? Burn couches, sofas. You don't do that in in England when sometimes mattresses. Mattresses no. left too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, you don't do that. Share a bit and sort of <laughs> drink some more. Yeah. Well, Why would we burn things? That's what we do. Because <laughs> you're happy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I yeah. missed that but no we've only won this game there are more games we haven't won all of the sports ball yet well if you um, guys win the whole sports ball will you burn couches then i probably wouldn't burn a sofa <laughs> i might have a small fire in the fire pit in the garden <laughs> in a celebratory fashion it's um, a very polite way to riot i like that. i like that very nice i have a fire pit i like burning things i'm just very english about it That's just fun. put one couch cushion in the fire pit. <laughs> yes for us for for us, for, us yeah. for your for your brethren across the pond here i will um, i will buy a tiny toy sofa and i will burn it just for you yay. excellent thank you because um, otherwise there's like fumes and things laws against it i don't know it seems a terrible idea. How did the <laughs> premiere of Ladies of Valhalla go for you? Um, it was really, really fun. Um, we managed to record for about an hour before we actually started recording because there was lots of just the three of us taking the mickey out of each other and laughing <laughs> a lot. Um, and we managed to avoid swearing, which was good. Um, bless Jess. She, she nearly said the word crap at one <gasps> point. She tried to be family friendly. Um, but she managed to change it into poop. But um, yeah, thanks for some careful editing. Moving forward, I will be able to just beep out the swears. Oh, um, nice. But no, we've, we've had a really positive response from the people. People have been really nice about it. Um, and we are going to record again on Sunday of this week for an episode which will be released on the second Friday of the month, which is going to be the 13th. Excellent. <laughs> because you know releasing something on friday the 13th is such a great idea <laughs> totally um yeah 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 totally and we're gonna talk about nimona which is great because oh, i love oh. nimona so much oh yeah so good awesome yes. very cool oh this is exciting yeah. hey, uh joey can i just jump in for a second yeah before we move on Kristen does have if not a secret project, a project of born in, as, they, as Stan used to say about things like this. Because coming on July 31st is, as you mentioned, Making Friends from Scholastic Books. Is that right, Kristen? Do I have that right? Oh, yeah, you got it. Um, totally. That's about to come out. Um, making Friends is a graphic novel that I wrote and drew. I've been very, I've been very busy, <laughs> hence all the yeah, deadlines yeah. and stuff. Um, it's uh, about a, it's kind of like a mix between Sailor Moon and Freaks and Geeks. What? I guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's kind of about uh, like the crushing burdens of reality and also about magic. It's about a girl who gets a magical sketchbook and anything she draws in it comes to life. And so she's like 
has no friends at school because all her friends are in different classes because like seventh grade. Yeah. And so she designs the perfect best friend to be her wing lady. And then uh, her friend is like, who are my parents? Where do I live? Who am I? And like, she's like, oh my God. It's pretty existential. I was going to say, it takes a very existential turn. (laughs) What is the recommended reading age for this book? Oh, it's like eight and up, I think is what they said. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I'll buy my little one then. Yeah, I think everyone can enjoy it. I'm 62 and I'm enjoying the heck out of it. Oh, Bob, dropping the number. Dropping the number. Uh, My youngest is 15 and she loves a good existential crisis. Oh, yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. Mm. Mm. Danny is so relatable. We've all... We can't take it to the extreme she does. I mean, the first person (laughs) she recreates is the head of an anime character who <laughs> then tries to give her advice for the entire book. And He's usually an evil, not very evil good. anime prince. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Prince <laughs> Neptune was not a big help. I mean, it works when you're a prince. People tend to be nice to you. So yeah. he, he doesn't know what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when he's only like one third of a prince, when he's just the top yeah. part. He's just a head, because she doesn't know her sketchbook is magical, so she's just drawing um her favorite evil anime prince. <laughs> a little head he, his head, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bodies are hard to draw, so yeah. Oh yeah, feet. <laughs> yeah, ask Rob yeah. Liefeld. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was the release date on Making Friends? Uh, July thirty first. Excellent. Anywhere where comics are sold. Everywhere. Excellent. Yep. I'm mean, gonna infiltrate all the schools too. So totally. <laughs> the last book fairs is no, it's it's great because so many, so many little ones get a shot at at seeing what the graphic novel comic book form is because it, not everybody has a comic store near them that's family friendly, kid friendly, mm-hmm. and you can pick up the graphic novel at a book fair and then oh wait a minute there are things all of a sudden now you got moms and, and little ones going into the store and. You go into the right one, you'll find making friends. That's what I'm saying. And you'll love it. Nice. Thank you. Uh, Cool. So before we jump into uh, lightning rounds for today, we did want to talk about kind of the biggest comic book related news to come out this week, which was um, the Batman number 50 spoilers in the New York Times, um, which coming hot off of doing the Marvel and the New York Times doing the same thing the week prior with X-Men number 30, uh, X-Men gold number 30, excuse me, I gotta get the the colors right. Um, uh, This weekend, same situation, New York Times uh, ran an article, some interviews with some DC execs about Batman 50, spoiling everything in the headline if i'm not mistaken i've managed to yes. avoid the content so because i genuinely want to read 50 so i didn't want to read any spoilers here um and interestingly unlike kind of the response to the marvel piece the week prior um a lot of people were up in arms about the batman 51 including i don't think tom king was particularly happy about it either um yeah. or at least yeah. in terms of the response to it's been uh Hasn't been that as positive as perhaps DC wanted. Um, but I just wanted to kind of go around the table and get everybody's thoughts on um, either this specific story or the idea of, you know, using the time. I mean, we understand why. It's the times, right? You're trying to get press for your book. Like, that's that seems pretty positive and that here we obviously the response is what the response is. So, you know, either on the Batman 50 
situation or on the idea of just spoiling a book ahead of time to kind of garner some some press um bob you said you had a copy of the article it's it's right in front of me i nine weeks out of ten depending on how badly my saturday has gone i get to the store early enough to get the, the sunday times because it's the paper of record and lots of good stuff and i always read the sunday styles and I, here i am i'm flipping through it and we get to where wedding vows are and Here's a headline without I haven't I still haven't read the article, but I didn't have to because it's it's across the entire paper. It's what it was eight column, four columns across, rather in giant type. Holy matrimony, Batman. So we're already doing that. We're still doing a holy whatever it is. And then it spoils. And then a little subheading spoils it even more. Wow. You couldn't you couldn't help but avoid it. And I get it. The book comes out three days later. What if they had printed this next Sunday? <laughs> yeah. Then they're not it, getting it, the press for the book, Bob. Yeah, but but the and here's the thing: for it, it might get you some extra eyes on the book from civilians who might come to these midnight <laughs> sales. I'm going to one today after we record, and there'll be some scavengers going to the store to try to get some extra copies of Batman and put them online or whatever they're going to do. And you get some some real fans out of that, too. But you, here's a, a Tom King story that's been set up since Kristen was here last, a, a year ago. <laughs> and and you basically, the flower, the flower girl, flower, uh, the ring bearer have now started punching each other in the aisle on the way up to the altar. Oh. <laughs> and that, I think all good weddings. <laughs> there should be some crying at weddings, but not for these reasons, I think. Oof. Yeah. I think that what they should have done is done like some sort of like a fake wedding announcement thing that didn't spoil it and that pretended that they were real people in the uh, like because, you know, the wedding section is always famous rich people getting married. Yeah. So they should have just done a like a normal article written about fictional characters without saying what happened because it's like they didn't get married yet because the book isn't out yet. Yeah. So they should have just done like a fake article. But. The, what they did ended up causing so much press that it might have helped the book anyways because everywhere you look, everyone is talking about this. So right. who knows? But people don't seem happy about it. Yeah. Sarah, did you have any thoughts on it? I don't keep up with Batman. I'll be honest. I tend to kind of read it in bulk when a trade comes out. Um, mm-hmm. But you know how I feel about spoilers. I will not watch trailers for a movie that I'm going to go and see. I don't want to know what's going to happen in a book before I read it because I'm going to read it. To me, that, if anything, it's going to stop me reading the book. Right. Because, well, what's, what's the point? I know what's going to happen. Why would I give you, you know, four or five pounds for a book that I have basically, you know, read because I know what's going to happen in it? Um, and I just, I find it disappointing that people feel the need to do that. I get why DC want people to talk about it. Yes, people are talking about the book. But surely it's better to have people talk about it in a positive way. Like if they'd put a really cute fake wedding announcement in. Yeah. It would have been adorable. Yeah. But not in a, oh no, DC are terrible. They've told everybody this. Yeah. Um, and So, so yeah. DC was okay with it? They wanted that to happen? I thought it was like a miscommunication or something. No, I, they, they put it out. I just had actually an article up about it. Um, but they, um, they um, one of the sales executives posted on, 
I guess one of the like shop local shops had like posted some comments about like some of their advance purchases had been canceled and like people oh. were negatively responding to the events of the book that have now been spoiled and whatever. Um, and I guess one of the execs kind of responded to that shop saying like, you know, this was intended as like a, a presser thing, you know, it was intended to be released Sunday or Monday. The book was going to be released Tuesday evening. So there wasn't going to be much of a time jump, but of course, I mean, it's 2018. Like the second that article was out, like it was immediate. Right. Um, and I think one of the other things that took me by surprise was like, Tom King's response to it. And like, and like he was being very kind of level headed about it on the twit. Right. But, um, he didn't seem to be happy about it. And that was kind of upsetting to see, especially as like the writer of the book, um, to, to be kind of disappointed in, I don't know if it was disappointed in the rollout of the article or if it was disappointment in the response that, people were having to the events of the story because i think one of the other things too is by doing this kind of article thing and it happened last week too with with the kitty and colossus wedding in x-men 30 where the actual events of that book were spoiled but you don't get the content of the book right you don't know what they're saying you don't know what it looks like you don't know what (laughs) all the twists and turns are you know people may be responding to one specific detail without understanding the rest of the story and you know maybe that's what what Tom King is upset about, right? Like, again, I've avoided the the spoilers, so I don't know what happens in fifty. I'll find out <laughs> tomorrow when I read it. <laughs> yeah, but um, I read I read the article and they described everything, everything that happened. Oh, it. really? Wow. Yeah, that's so upsetting. It was like then. a summary of the whole issue. Oh, lovely. Yeah, uh, I know. I can't. I I shouldn't read spoil. I don't read spoilers for things that I'm definitely gonna read. But I was like, this is something I'll read like way in the future when it comes out in like a big. When my boyfriend buys it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they spoil everything, including context. Wow. Yeah. It was uh, John Cunningham, Senior Vice President of Sales for DC Comics, wrote the following on a local comic shop retailer Facebook group. Um, he it was like a five-point thing. It was like, one, DC Sales strongly advocated getting the news out ahead so that the moment of realization did not occur hours before the events. Um, to get information out as quickly as possible. In the, okay, here and this is where it's weird, right? He says, in the abstract, we believe the news would break on Monday, <laughs> given the arrival time of physical copies to the store. It's like, no, the second somebody saw that in the Sunday Times, it was going to be yes. on the internet. Seriously. Um, <laughs> it's sadly, yet you had two creators, in Tom King and Joel Jones's, who. Catwoman, number oh, yeah. one, comes out tonight, too, who made it a point, uh, she was saying in, in interviews and articles, and it's on the cover, it's don't read my issue until you've read Batman 50. <laughs> How is it going to affect the sales of her book, too? You, you, you're, you're now drifting into all sorts of places. Kristen's idea, though, would be brilliant. If you had done the fake wedding wedding announcement, you could have had Another story the next Sunday about the exactly. other events. Mm. Yeah. You could have carried it through two weeks of Sunday Times. Press. Yeah, and then DC's in the Times twice. twice. Take that, Marvel, right? <laughs> um, yeah, it's a bummer. And, you know, to Sarah's point, too, like, some people will read that and not want to read the book, you know? I mean, 
I think that the goal of these kind of articles is to drum up some press and get people to buy copies or maybe extra copies. But for those people that were really interested in the story, it, it does leave a bitter taste in, in, in the mouth a little bit, I would imagine. I've read, um, I've got Tom King's tweet in front of me and I know that Jess retweeted this with mm-hmm. like lots of heart emojis and crying faces and things. He's actually put <laughs> Batman 50 is not the end. This is a 100 issue story documenting and celebrating the love of Batman and Catwoman. Whatever happens, whatever anyone says, nothing's going to spoil that. Oh, I yeah. kind of get where he's coming from, but yeah, sure. It's going to spoil it. Yeah. 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 If you know what's happening in the book, that's what a spoiler is. Yeah. I think there's an undercurrent of anger in that tweet. I don't <laughs> want to speak for Mr. King, but I can sense his teeth are clenched as he types that. Mm. <laughs> and I can't blame him. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts on the, the spoiler situation from this past week? Uh, Rosebud's a sled. Oh man! <laughs> really, Bob? Bob? Honestly, I can't believe you just did that. To Jesus, us. sorry. Sarah hasn't seen any of the trailers for that movie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it only Don't came out eighty going. years ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right, Bob. Just for that, you're going first on the lightning rounds. Oh, all right. Okay. <laughs> all right. I, I, I deserve that. I deserve that. Um, all right, so we'll jump into the lightning rounds now. We'll start with Bob. Um, I will put five minutes on the imaginary clock that I don't have in front of me. Go, Bob. Batgirl number 24 boasts a new creative team, although I don't think this is the new permanent combo, but who knows? Writer Sean Aldridge, artist Scott Gudluski do tell a fun one-off story that has Babs back in Gotham investigating an old high school chum who might have turned over to the dark side after losing his policeman father. Now, there are two sides to every story, and this one's other side features Two-Face. So a nicely done-in-one with a fine, fine take on the qualities that make Barbara Gordon one of the all-time great heroines. Sticking to Gotham City, we're, we're on a roll here, Batman Prelude to the Wedding, Harley Quinn versus the Joker by Tim Seeley and Sammy Basri. Interestingly, this issue is actually the lead-in to the dynamic two-parter from Batman 48 and 49, and the dialogue between Harley and Mr. J gets to some really deep places that certainly set up the Joker's reasoning behind him trying to crash the nuptials, as insane as they are. Well done, Beautiful characterization and art with some really unexpected heart to this, too. Speaking of books with heart, as always, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur by Brandon Monclair, Natasha Bustos, and Tamra Bonvion. Excellent. Introduces us, thank you, to an intriguing new character. It's Lunella's new schoolmate, Princess Fisk, who's the daughter of the mayor and the ex-king of crime, Wilson. Mm. Her presence at PS20 means that... His eyes are now on the school, and if they don't measure up, the kingpin will just shutter the joint. Now, uh, yeah. Now, Brandon Moncler's edition of a new classmate puts a cranky little edge to Lunella and her friends. And as always, the art by Ms. Bustos and Ms. Bonvion, certainly the perfect complement to that. Marvel 2-in-1 number 7, Chip Zdarsky with art by Ramon Perez of Jane fame. Yeah. And Federico <laughs> Yes. 
uh, takes us to another strange new world. There's Ben and Johnny, along with <laughs> Doctors Rockavul and Doom, search for Sue and Reed. And this one might be the strangest of all. It's a world ravaged by a real war triggered by the superhero civil disagreements between Cap and Iron Man. New Jersey is now a Thunderdome run by Spider-Man. It already which is. Tells, which I was going to say, it tells you it's not so far off from that. Uh, another fantastic issue with some great revelations and a, an absolute killer cliffhanger. Now, uh, to foreshadow something I'll be addressing a bit later on, I re read the 2014 IDW adaptation of Harlan Ellison's original teleplay for that most revered episode of the original Star Trek, City on the Edge of Forever. Here it's adapted by writers Scott and David Tipton with gorgeous painted artwork by J.K. Woodward. It presents Mr. Ellison's original concepts for the episode, many of which rankled Gene Roddenberry so much that he and then his producer Gene Kuhn and story editor Dorothy Fontana rewrote whole swatches of Harlan's script, despite his protestations, which were many. Hmm. There's some major differences, though, between the version you've all seen in reruns and Mr. Ellison's original teleplay, particularly the ending. Now, Harlan's won the Writers Guild of America Award for Best Dramatic Presentation, and the aired episode won the Huger Award for a similar category. So it's a matter of personal taste, which you prefer. Now, thanks to IDW and their great work in getting both Harlan Ellison and Paramount together to be able to do this, you can actually see what Harlan's episode might have looked like had they filmed it. Wow. I'm torn. I like what Harlan did, but I kind of like Roddenberry's ending. Ah. Just saying. Interesting. Mm. Also available now as a trade with some extras and back matter interviews with Harlan Ellison as well. Cool. I am done. Nice. Who is the <laughs> King Princess's mom? Do they talk about it? They don't. Uh, here's the thing. She's. Oh, it's kind of a spoiler. All right, then never mind. I'll read it. But no, no, no. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, she. Uh, she's adopted. Okay. Yeah, I was like, is it Vanessa? Because I love Vanessa. She was a great <laughs> character. <laughs> yes. Uh, cool. Um, Marvel put out a great interview with Tamara Bonvillain. Bon exactly how she says it, but we're gonna really, yeah. It's kind of was kind of disappointing when she said her own name. I was like, oh no, but great <laughs> interview. Like yeah, uh, talk, she talks through her process coloring, and then she talks about like repping trans creators. And I was like, this is the best interview I've ever seen. It was great. I gotta look for that. Yeah, it was cool. Um, sweet, Sarah. Did you read Marvel Two in One? I did, yes. Um, I, I, sorry, Bob. I have quite a sketchy history with the Fantastic Four. I've not read a huge amount of them, um, but I just love what Zdarsky is doing with them here. I've always found Johnny Storm to be a bit of a pain in the butt, really. Frankly, yes, that's who he is. Um, exactly right. But Zdarsky just makes him. He's kind of like fun. Mm -hmm. I don't really like saying that because he's a bit of an ass. Um, <laughs> But Zdarsky just makes him into this, like, he's like the cool kid in class that you want to hang out with, even though you know he's a bit annoying. Um, and he just makes him sort of lovable. And I just, I really love this book. And it's got me so excited about the new Fantastic Four book, like even more so than I was already. Mm. Um, and then what they did or what they've done in this particular issue with, like, Battle World Spider-Man. Yes. Is that what we're going to call him? Yeah. With with the the little cowl that he's wearing, that is creepy. Yeah, we won't spoil that, but it's it's a creepy look. 
Yeah, that sort of half page on the bottom where he's walking out in like the, the, the Jesus pose and then you get his face. It's like, nope, turning that page, not looking at that. <laughs> so it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely one people should be picking up. I absolutely love it. It's, it's just it's just fun. So many superhero books are going, we are going to be serious and we're going to have morals. And it's like, nope, it's Zagarski. <laughs> Is yeah. two and one going to wrap when Fantastic Four starts? No. Oh, no, it, it, we thought it was, but it's actually going to continue. How long after? But it's at least up through the last set of solicits. I haven't gone through this this the next month's previews, but it's definitely at least through two months out. Sweet. Yay. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, Kristen, are you ready for a lightning round? Yes, I am. All, All right. right. Five minutes on the clock. <laughs> Go. Okay. Um, I basically, I picked out some graphic novels that I've read recently. I, I usually read trades just because I find it's easier to keep track of. Um, and I found this one book at the library called I Love This Part by Tilly Walden. And she's the writer and artist. It's a really sweet, re- really short comic that's uh, got beautiful illustrations. And it's about, it's like um it's like a gay romance that is uh, like the first romance. So it's about two girls who who meet each other and they it's kind of conversational and very dreamy. And it's sort of about them coming to terms with their sexualities. And uh, it's very emotional and really, really beautifully illustrated. Very slice of life. And I definitely recommend this to everyone. Uh, yeah, I it's one that I would have never heard of if they didn't have it at the library. So I really awesome. liked it a lot. And then another one that I I also got at the library. Love the library. We're library <laughs> fans here. You're um, the choir. Yeah. Apocalyptic Girl by Andrew McLean. Title. Yeah, I know. It's great. <laughs> actually, I met him. I did a panel with him at New York Comic Con once. Maybe twice, actually. Um, and I just like, he had sold me on his book then. And when I saw it there, I was just like, I need to read this. It's about a lady who... Uh, is on like a post-apocalyptic earth. So it's really cool. Like the art is really beautiful and it's kind of like um, the, the setting is, is like weird mutated people and like buildings covered in like flora and fauna and stuff. And, and it's about this girl who's trying to find this power source that was, had been used in the past to like turn earth to it's like current screwed up state. And, and it's really good. It's kind of, a meditation about whether humanity is worth it or not. And I will uh, leave it to readers yeah. to find out whether it is. <laughs> We're on that one. Absolutely. That's great. And then the next one is um, another gay romance, which is honestly one of my favorite genres. Definitely how I got into reading comics. <laughs> and it's called it's called Taproot. And uh, all of these so far actually have been by... Uh, writer artists i like that a lot when someone's the does both because you just i feel like it's their like unfettered vision Mm -hmm. and this one's also really really beautiful art with really nice color scheme it's kind of anime influenced but with a it just the artist's own style too it kind of has a tumblery look but it's really really detailed and it's about this guy who works at a flower shop and he can talk to ghosts and um he like falls in love with a ghost and then they have, he's like, turns out he's like a necromancer and they have to like, uh, yeah, it, plot stuff, but it's, <laughs> it's like, that's like five genres this. at once. That's amazing. 
it's really cool. It's it's very uh, atmospheric too and low key. You know, it's kind of what I like. I like comics that don't have a lot of words per page. I like it when you just like read it like it just like flows really well. And this one has a good flow. And the art is like definitely what drew me to it. It's by Kesey Young, who I don't know who that is, but well, she did name. a great job. Yeah. <laughs> uh. And then um, the next book is one that actually Bob gave me when I did my oh. signing for Modern Fantasy at uh, Escape Pod Comics. It's called Jane. It's um, a modernization slash adaptation of uh, Charlotte. Charlotte, Charlotte, Charlotte Bronte. Bronte. <laughs> like, I know this. <laughs> amazing book Jane Eyre which is honestly one of my like top 10 favorite books of all time nice but taking it into the present day um my only thing which I mentioned at the store was that the characters are drawn really hot and Jane Eyre is supposed to be like super plain and so is Mr. Rochester yeah. but apparently the movie version they're they're sexy so it's like a an homage to that <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but it, it's really cool. It's it's um, very exciting, and the the writer is a uh, she she's like she's like a rom com writer, and she also worked at, works on Crazy Ex Girlfriend, mm -hmm. and so you definitely get that in there. So which makes it like really addictive, and the art is just incredible by Ramon Perez, and it's yeah, I definitely recommend this one. It's oh, one that you can read in like a second because it's just very page turny. Actually, all these books are ones you can read in a second. I like, I like them uh, breezy, breezy, but breezy. with like deep themes, deep themes hidden in a very enjoyable package. And uh, I guess that brings me to my last book, which is Four Kids Walk Into a Bank, which I around here too. Oh my god, I love this book so much. Uh, Matt Rosenberg is a really, really good writer. Uh, I don't know, you guys have probably talked about this on your podcast. Oh, because... oh yeah. It yeah, took us but, a year uh, and a half to get through it, but yeah, we did. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically a crime caper about a girl who finds out her dad is going to rob a bank, so she decides to try to stop him by beating him to the punch, and it's really fun. It kind, I think it takes place in like the 80s. It's like vaguely like that like old-timey nostalgia of like when everything is like analog, and she and her friends, they're like a bunch of like weirdo outcasts who play like D and D, it's it's really cool, and the art is gorgeous as well. It's it's all like, yeah, it, it's really amazing, and uh, it's one of those books where you just like can't stop reading it. So I'm glad that I waited for the trade because I was able to just like devour it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I love everything Matt Rosenberg does because he's, I feel like he has like a really good way of getting you into things, really like quickly and actually i read his issue one of multiple man because yeah uh, when i was at the, yeah it was really really good and it was one of those ones where i was like oh my god like five pages in i'm like you've got me hooked <laughs> it just had like really cool ideas that were just like right there and i think that's what i like about his work but yeah i'd recommend all those books yeah we talked about four kids walking to a bank issue by issue so it did take us like 14 months because it, <laughs> yeah, it was so, like doomsday clock yeah. yeah just kept going and going and going Kristen, have well, you read a lot um, there oh yeah have you read bingo love yeah i did oh my gosh right now in your I genre 
Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah, that was, that um, was I also too. met T. Franklin. I got the book because I was cabling next to her at Emerald City Comic Con. And she's really cool. She's really nice. And Bingo Love was, yeah, another one I definitely recommend. Awesome. Okay. All right. Well, I guess I'll, I'll do mine since you brought up Multiple Man. Multiple Man, yeah. yeah. All right, sweet. Okay, sorry, Sarah. You can go last. <laughs> All right. Timer on the clock. You're going to go last, and you're going to throw up. And uh, that's just, you know, that's what I did for six months when I started this gig. So, okay, here we go. <clears throat> All right, Multiple Man. Uh, Kristen just brought it up. Number one, Matthew Rosenberg uh, with Andy McDonald and Tamra Bonvillain. Uh, so, Jamie Madrix. That sound right. All right, it's her name. <laughs> um, no, it isn't. So, <laughs> Jamie Madrix apparently died back during the Terrigen Mist fiasco. R.I.P. I didn't read it, so sorry. Uh, but here we are with a new Multiple Man <laughs> series from rising star Matthew Rosenberg, starring, you guessed it, another Jamie Madrix. Um, cold Open with Strong Guy, Wolfsbane, Richter, little X-Factor reunion there, boom, boom, teaming with Magic to investigate a sealed secret lab. There they find a Jamie Madrick. Uh, it's a dupe who somehow survived Jamie Prime's death at the hands of the Terrigen Mists. Uh, so we get a little bit of that. At some point, Jamie knocks out Bishop, goes time traveling, and then comes back. I don't know. Things got weird in the middle. I don't really know specifics of what's going on. I read it twice. Still trying to figure it out. Regardless, uh, as Kristen alluded to, uh, Rosenberg's just, he's funny. He's, he knows how to pace out a story. I laughed out loud a lot reading this, and it was a real joy reading Jamie again after all those years we poured into reading Peter David's X Factor. Um, this has all the makings of a sci-fi time travel, Mary mutant romp and Andy McDonald and Tamara Bombalon's artwork pops with energy and wit. Um, I was sort of confused a little bit in this first issue, but I had a lot of fun and will definitely keep going. Um, I also read the century number one, also from Marvel, Jeff Lemire here with Kim Jacinto and Rain Barreto on art. All right, let me put this to rest right now. I was never, nor have ever been, a Sentry hater. I don't know where that came from. I think that was Bob hated it, and people were just projecting that onto me because nobody wants to dislike Bob, I think, is what happened. Um, anyway, here we are with a new series from Jeff Lemire and some really cool artwork that's very kind of Jimmy Chung, Olivier Coppel scope um, in terms of, of Jacinto and Barreto's work here. Um, so Sentry came back in the Doctor Strange series uh, to help Bob Reynolds with his void problem. You know how every time he becomes the Sentry, the most powerful hero ever, ever in the universe ever, he also unleashes the void, this dark and vengeful dark creature from the darkness. Um, Doctor Strange has created a pocket dimension called the Sentryverse where Bob can go every night and unleash his power safely and control everything while taking down the void. Um, a lot of this book reads like a twisted, absurd version of the Shazam story. Like, Sentry's got, wow. like, a squad of Sentry heroes, like Scout, Watchdog, Sentris, and they all team up to fight Void Monsters. And then he's like, Sentry, and he becomes Bob Reynolds again. Um, it's actually really cool and messed up and kind of psychologically driven, especially when Bob has to, like, log out of Sentry World and go back to his sad real life. He's, like, covered in grease, working at a diner with, like, other characters it's like um a lot of callbacks to old century stories including ripping things in half graphically and throwing them into the sun r.i.p Ares. 
But overall, I mean, Lemire does a great job of, of writing this kind of psychological story. And this feels like the kind of superhero story that we, we were expecting from Lemire back when he was doing um, the X-Men work. So I, I actually might stick around here for, for uh, Lemire's century. Um, and the last book I'll talk about is also the end of uh, Killer Be Killed from Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips and Betty Brightweiser. Uh, this was number 20. This book is just has been one of the best books on the stands for the last few years. Anything from this team is a masterclass in comic book storytelling at this point. And the cliffhanger to issue number 19, which I won't spoil here, is played off expertly in this last issue. Um, Dylan, the main character, goes off on this extended sequence here in the final issue of this series, meditating on kind of the persistence of evil and the uphill battle we face in ridding the world of bad guys. Uh, needless to say, in a series that has long served as a more grounded, pulpy version of kind of like a Punisher vigilante story, Brubaker's noir narration is the perfect vehicle to reflect on the messed up corners of the world and legitimately make us question what we are supposed to do in the face of it. Um, I went back and reread the last arc of this book, and it's just been... It's like pulse pounding. And like I said, that cliffhanger to 19, I was like, I need 20 now. And once you get 20... They double down on that twist and they they go into some unexpected directions. It's really, really cool. Now that it's done, if you could read the whole thing straight through, do so. I did I did that with Fade Out, which was which was the same thing. Just really, really stunning kind of twists on the on the on the genre. In his letter at the back, and my timer's done. Um in in his letter in the back, he says that he and uh Sean have a project lined up for the fall. So we'll be getting some more Brubaker and Phillips and Brightweiser, I think, in October. So, yeah, very exciting. I have a question about money. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I jumped in there. Go. No, Sarah's just saying. No, no, no. I'm I'm just complaining that Joey's costing me money because now I'm going to have to go Uh, and buy all of Kill or Be Killed. Oh, (laughs) yeah. It's really good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. Bob, you had a question? Multiple man question. Yes. When, when we left him at the end of X-Factor, wasn't he out at the farm with Laura? Yeah, okay. Like, I love that ending. That was so yeah. good. I haven't seen uh, Laura, uh, I don't even remember her, her last name. Miller. But Laura, Laura Miller, Miller, Butterfly, right? Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I don't remember the last time I've seen her in the books. I love their whole arc over Peter David's storyline. Mm-hmm. It was a little weird in the beginning, not going to lie. But ultimately, by the time all the time travel was done and everything, that was so cool. And I kind of miss Jamie with the big M on his face, you know? Yes. Like he went through some, he went through some stuff, man. And uh, there, you know, it's the everything comes back around and starts over. But um, that Jamie, I guess, died with the when the Inhumans unleashed their uh, T bomb or whatever it was called, their mist bomb. <laughs> Yeah. Well, who who knows? Maybe Laurel will show up and kick some took us. Yeah, she was great. I miss X Factor so much. One of our favorite books, and it was one of the first to fall victim to my curse. Yeah. Got canceled twice. Twice yeah. while I was on the show. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Twice. Wild. Uh, yeah. That's. Luck, you, you've been immune to it so far, Chris, and I've liked your books, and you've gotten to end them when you wanted. <laughs> you got ripped out from, apart from you. Well, don't so. say that, Bob. Now well, the universe is going to hear you. I one book that's been finished so far. So, Oh, I guess Modern Fantasy isn't going to get canceled. It's nope, like four issues. So. Absolutely not. And 
and making friends is self-contained so you're you're in good shape yeah yeah i happen to love ending stories because i'm like yeah i'm done so. <laughs> maybe yeah maybe that's it you can't be an ongoing writer and be friends with bob i that's that's probably what it is <laughs> <laughs> only miniseries and graphic novels yeah and look at whitley come on whitley <laughs> yeah he's back though the yeah. watch is coming back yeah you're so not wrong all right sarah are you ready no all right go <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm going to open with my obligatory Sci-Spire fangirl moment um, with his latest offering, Coda. Um, the art comes from Matthias Bergara, colour assists are from Michael Doig, and letters are from Jim Campbell. This is a swords and sorcery tale that starts with our hero in the rat-infested skeletal belly of a long-dead dragon. Sorry, Jess. Um, before opening out into a tale of lost loves, bandits, comedically oversized weaponry, and more, in a world where the magic is long gone, or is it? Dun dun dun. Um, mm-hmm. The artwork is absolutely stunning, as is the use of colour. Um, and with only two issues out so far from Boom Studios, I would highly recommend this book to any fan of books such as Scales and Scoundrels, Rat Queens, or God Shaper. And also, the main protagonist rides a huge, angry, potty mouthed pentacorn, which is basically like a huge, angry, potty mouthed unicorn, but with four extra horns. Wow. That's a <laughs> it's win. Amazing. Complete win. Um, I also want to briefly mention that Motherlands from Cy Sparia, Rachel Stott, Felipe Sobrera and Simon Boland just reached its conclusion with issue six. So if you have missed out on this epic bounty hunting multi-dimensional space opera fantasy, grab the trade when it comes out from Vertigo. The book was absolutely amazing. The art is beautiful. It's got family drama. It's got dimensional space travel. It's just brilliant. Um, staying with the fantasy theme, I want to bring up Highest House from Mike Carey, Peter Gross and Fabian Alcrier. I know Jess touched on this briefly recently and it was a book I was looking forward to when I wrote my start of the year preview piece and it has not disappointed me yet. It's published in an oversized format by IDW and Highest House has this incredibly intense and intricate artwork with really unconventional and innovative layouts that wouldn't really look out of place in um, something like Liam Sharp's The Brave and the Bold. It's a really deep and textured book and it presents the tale of a poor boy who sold into slavery to help change the lives of his mother and blind sister. Although it starts as a simple tale of a boy finding his way in a strange new world, it rapidly descends into magic, mistrust and mystery. And I've been sucked into this story of Moth and his new life, featuring forbidden love, evil masters, and maybe even something lurking in the depths of the house that probably shouldn't be mentioned unless all the lights are turned on. Mm. Um, Next up, I'm going to try and get back into Jess's good graces after my dead dragon comment earlier. (laughs) And I'm going to talk about an adorable dog. Um, But it might actually get me a permanent ban from the podcast because I want to praise a book from everyone's least favorite Captain America writer, Nick Spencer. All right. Um, I could go now. Um, I was a fan of Spencer from his morning glory days. So when my local comic shop owner recommended a book about corrupt cops, Hollywood starlets and the cutest police dog you have ever seen, how could I resist? The Fix is published by Image with art from Steve Lieber, colours from Ryan Hill and letters and design from Marshall Dillon. It's currently on issue 12 and this book has been a source of friction in my house because it makes me laugh so much when I'm reading it that I have to go and sit in a room on my own because otherwise I'm just annoying everybody else in the house. Um, Does it have offensive moments? Yes. 
does Pretzel, the super cute dog, get shot at some point? <gasps> so, yes. <gasps> but, That's messed yeah. up. <laughs> He's adorable, too. It, it does have some genuinely funny and touching moments as these two bent cops try and earn a fortune from a drug-addled Hollywood producer whilst avoiding internal affairs investigations, a perpetually stoned mayor, and their boss, who also happens to be the head of the biggest organised crime syndicate in the local area. Um, issue one opens with an armed robbery on an old people's home, and then it moves on to a joke about blowjobs. So <gasps> if the thought of those things being played for laughs <laughs> is offensive to you, just avoid the book. It's but a kid show. It is... <laughs> <laughs> not um it is hilarious though and i've never heard anyone else ever talk about it and it's a totally underrated book that should get more love um and finally i just want to give a brief honorable mention to shanghai red from christopher sabela joshua hickson and hassan otsmami Elhawal. i know that joey you touched on this image book last week um and i just want to second the notion that this is a really solid first issue from a writer that for me is just massively coming into his stride um there's a main protagonist hiding their true identity to seek bloody murderous piratical revenge on the men that wronged them and it's got a really dark and visceral art style so really what is there not to love um sabela has been putting out some solid work this year on independent titles and also for dc his new book crowded is set to drop quite soon as well and he's done some quality kickstarter projects so i think i've actually found my pick for breakthrough writer 2018 already oh wow i'm gonna finish there you go yeah that's exciting I remember reading when Chris Sabella was doing the fill-in for Kelly Sue on the Captain Marvel issues. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that, Bob? Yeah, absolutely. Good times. That seems like forever ago. Yeah, he did a couple, a lot of things here and there. I think he also did Ghost after Kelly Sue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So maybe, you know, there was the Scott Snyder school that gave us, you know, James Tynan and Marguerite Bennett. So maybe there's the Kelly Sue Matt thing that gave us the darsky and chris sabella yeah wild yeah, yeah all, he's, all... he's done some harley i think he's done i think he did blue beetle for dc yeah um but i've backed a couple of his kickstarters and they are just so good yeah so so good um but yeah um shanghai red just blew me away when i read it i've been really looking forward to it it was one of those books I just read it and went oh where's issue two yeah. Oh, it's not out yet. i was trying to remember too like when's the last like pirate story i read like that was like this pulpy like violent gritty like high seas adventure story and i was like i can't Everything remember better with pirates i know oh man that book's awesome all five of those books on your list have like been critical darlings that like i picked up i picked up a, a little bit of highest house and i've heard great things about coda too so maybe uh, coda, i'll spend coda some money mad yeah. it is absolutely barking there's the way that they use um, just the design of it. There's an explosion at one point, and basically the background of the page is the explosion, mm-hmm. and then all the detail is written inside the letters of the word "boom." Oh, love that! But it, it's just genius the way that they do it. Um, and yeah, there's a pentacorn. Buy the book <laughs> just for that. <laughs> just for that. That is a. What's a pentacorn? Is that a like a unicorn? It's a unicorn. Five, five pawns. Five. Yeah. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> there's there's even a little girl that's like, hey, Mister, do you have a fivercorn? It's like, 
it's a <laughs> pentacorn. Wow. That's a lot. But yeah, even but... even on the first page of issue one, the, the, the dead dragon basically turns around and says, there were rats in my belly. I can feel them scratching. Oh, no. That, ah. I was like, yes, I am in. Brilliant. Brilliant. You have to read it. Wow. That's a lot. All right, let's turn to our open discussion here. Uh, We'll start with uh, Ms. Marvel number 31, which actually is the 50th issue of this um, beloved series here in the hallowed halls of Talking Comics. Um, Bob, would you care to give us a little recap of the issue before we get into our glowing and tear-filled yes. uh, <laughs> yes. discussion of the book? Yes. It is, as says on the cover, oversized 50th issue spectacular, and it certainly is multiple storylines, and it's G. Willow Wilson and, well, everybody. <laughs> Saladin Ahmed, Rainbow Roll, Hassan Minaj, Nico Leon, Gustavo Duarte, Bob Quinn, Elmo Bondak, and Ian Herring, tying lots of things together. First off, it's just so thrilling that a book featuring such diversity, or as Ms. Wilson describes it, reality, yep. has made it to a landmark 50th issue, and that the issue itself is such a celebration of all the things that have made this such a special series here and to readers around the world. With so many things happening in her life, Kamala Khan has invited her friends, Mike, Nakia, and Zoe over for a slumber party slash gab fest to help her get things right between them. The plan is, you know, just to, to quoting Kamala, snacking, video games, solving all the most important problems in the space of a couple of hours. <laughs> However... Superhero-y stuff keeps getting in the way. There's a knock on the door. As every couple of minutes, it seems there's something up outside Kamala's home. For me, as in every issue, there's such a beautifully executed balance between Kamala's, well, her, her, her superhero works, her regular things, the, the separate world she has to deal with, even as her character struggles to find that balance, and as ever, there's such humanity and humor in the characterizations. It just brings such a wonderful realism. It is, and I, I was lucky enough to meet G. Willow Wilson at Escape Pod some, some months back, and I said to her something I had said after reading the first couple of issues of this, that as an old-time Marvel reader... Nothing I've read in all the years since has made me think more of the Stanley Steve Ditko Spider-Man mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. as this issue, where it's what's going on in high school, what's going on in real life, and if she was never Ms. Marvel, I'd have a great time. Yeah, and yet we add that other stuff to it, and you've got this book. Uh, I'm I'm in awe month after month. What does everybody else feel where we're at this month, Sarah? Okay, so you know, like, every time I come on the show, we talk about a seminal issue of a book, and I go, oh, I've not been reading that book, and you always say we should read it, and then I've read it, and it's really good. <laughs> you know that thing that I do? Yeah, puka. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, I read 50 issues of Ms. Marvel this weekend. <gasps> you did the whole thing? Uh, yeah, I started um, Friday night, and I finished it Sunday night. <laughs> Nicely done. Because I don't have a life, apparently. Um, but, oh my god, you guys, I love this book. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
everything about it. I love. I already had the first probably three trades, I think, that I bought for youngest. Um, but just the way that they sum up the whole book in this one issue, mm. I just thought was absolutely brilliant. And there's so many cute little touches that just make me laugh and that just throw back to other things in the book like the fact that her pajamas have the flying sloth on them and all through the book because obviously having read it all in one go it kind of blurs slightly there's so many just like really nerdy little references and princess bride references <laughs> and D and D things and i just absolutely love it and i think for me the humor of the book is perfectly encapsulated by like the second page of this when all the girls are coming in and they're all saying hi to to Kamala's father and he's reading the paper and I don't know if anyone else noticed this but the headline on the paper is man wins lottery invests in cats (laughs) and I was like that that is just that is just the book all over it's funny and it's irreverent but it just has so much going on and this whole issue was just adorable um the way they keep switching between here's all of the different things that kamala does she saves the planet from aliens she looks after her local community she helps people out and just every little aspect of the story is there and it's so cute yeah it's like i just love that the 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 backbone of this issue was just the girls hanging out you know like I, I had just watched Glow Season 2. I don't know if anybody's seen Glow Season 2. Oh. Those gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Oh, no. So good. And one of the things that like I thought about like halfway through the season was like, there's something about just like just women hanging out, talking about life, like working through their problems, getting through it, and the humor of that and the heart of that that I was just like, I just enjoyed watching. And then reading this book had that same kind of core to it. And I think that, like, as you as you guys were alluding to, like, the heart of Miss Marvel has never has never faltered. Like, the, from issue one through issue one again up to thirty one here, like, it has just been one of the most like emotional experiences I've had reading a book. And you know, I think part of it, Bob, to your point, is like. It, it has that same um, energy that, that Steve Disco, Stanley, early Spider-Man had when he was still in high school, still grappling with that guilt, still grappling with everything. This has that too. Miles Morales, the, the ultimate Spider-Man when Bendis was doing that too with Miles, I think had it as well, um, which I think it's so cool now that he and Kamala are like a, you know, little little team yeah. up going on here too, which is mm-hmm. fun, but yeah, I just there's something about Miss Marvel that makes it one of the most special books on the stand. Um, not to mention, of course, the artwork from everybody involved. But it, I, it was refreshing for me to see Nico Leon on the the main book again. Um, I don't know. I remember like I I've, I've been kind of waiting on Miss Marvel a little bit. Like I've read a few issues and then I sat on a couple and then I caught up and I like just been doing that just cause we read so much. Mm-hmm. And I got really into Takeshi Miyazawa's version of Kamala Khan's yeah. adventures. And then reading this one, it kind of threw me back to, to what it looked, what, it, what, it, what it could look like on a different pen. And I was, I was really, really into it. Um, yeah, I just love Miss Marvel at Jersey city, man, Grove street. I don't live that far from there, you know? So <laughs> it, it just has a special place in, in my heart.
but and everything is legal in New Jersey. Everything is legal in New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> little Hamilton, Almost. little Hamilton there for you. I had to That's throw like, it in. I saw it last week. No, I understand. That's right. Welcome to the room. Where it happened. Um, Kristen, did you get a chance to read Miss Marvel? Uh, I mean, I've read a lot of it, but I'm definitely not caught up. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm like a year behind. But what I've read, I really, really loved. And uh, yeah, kind of what you guys were talking about. I mean, I like sign gags a lot. And that, that one had a lot of hilarious sign gags. And also, yeah, she's just like a very like fun character to root for. So I, it's definitely one of the one of the relatively few Marvel series that I'm like really into. Yeah. I like mm-hmm. the ones that are a little less, they're not as, uh, important to the main story, you know, like because it's more interesting when they get to have mm-hmm. just their own stories. And that's yeah. what I definitely liked about it. You're on the they're right the, show, then. <laughs> they're the ones that we love. It's Patsy Walker, and it was Silk and Spider Woman, Hawkeye, Hawkeye. Exactly. All the ones that like don't matter. I'm like, the ones that matter. <laughs> they matter here. They're all in our heart. We'll definitely talk about sign gags shortly with modern fantasy. Yeah. Number one. Um, and, and, and by the way, I have sitting in a frame in my kitchen a lovely little postcard-sized print of Ms. Marvel by Ms. Gudsnuck. Oh, uh, yes, because I love her. <laughs> yeah. She's doing an embiggen fist and everything. Yeah, nice. because she's powerful. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the last thing I'll say about Ms. Marvel number thirty-one is that. Similar to the Moon Girl issue we read last week, like I, there's there is a lot of continuity reflected in this issue, but I feel like you could give number fifty to someone who just wants to read Miss Marvel. Just give it to them. Yeah, I, I feel like there's just yeah, the they, the humor is there, the the story, the little vignettes are great, and it, it's just a great it's a great turning point for the character. And a great turning point for the series, I think, but also a great jumping on point for anybody that would be interested in following along with the adventures of Kamala Khan. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll see if that movie ever comes out. <laughs> Ms. Yeah. Marvel Kevin rumors. Feige saying. Every day, every day, every day, no more Ms. Marvel, Ms. Marvel movie rumors. Wait, that movie the... would make so much money. It would make <laughs> an incredible amount of money. Uh, I don't know. They just got to do it. If, I know a group of teenage girls that would go and see it several times. Oh no, I would see it forty times. I yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, could you imagine if the post-credit scene to Captain Marvel was Kamala Khan? Oh my huh? god! <laughs> like, remember last week I, we were talking about books that touched us. Issue seventeen of Captain Marvel. Yeah. At least it was Captain Marvel introduces in a silent sequence Kamala, yeah. who has posted on a refrigerator captain marvel art and and the, the old lightning bolt and you, no one knew what that was and then you start reading ms marvel and realize oh this this is this is a legacy yeah to to you know a second generation character and it's a it's a female character for the first time it touches you a second time around now awesome stuff and you know it's wild and i just kind of did this math here but the two ms marvel volumes have run longer than the captain marvel volumes over the last few years right? yes, with the relaunches true. and everything. Um, not saying that one character is better than the other, but you know, I, it, there's just been a consistency to Ms. Marvel under G Willow Wilson. That well, just there, like, there's the key to it. I think right there, you yeah. have a, a singular voice and still Sana Aminat as editor. Yep. Who, who shepherded this through 
creation, so to speak, and, and into into the halls of Marvel. We we need to do this. The moment was now. In yeah. the wake of Captain Marvel, it was time to do this. And uh, the cartoon is coming. Yep. It was a book that comes out this week as the Marvel Rising that mm-hmm. I'm much looking forward to, not to spoil that for later. But that cartoon will be out later this summer where we see Ms. Marvel and Squirrel Girl together. And I think that's going to bring a lot of new eyes to both of those books. Totally. Well, and they have the life of Captain Marvel coming out this fall, right? I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, no, it's very exciting, and it's great that 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 arm of the Marvel universe is thriving. Um, it's it's an empowering couple of books, and Ms. Marvel is just not only is it important kind of socially, but it's also just fantastic. It's a great book. Too. Like, it's that just helps. a great book, you know. Um, cool. Any other thoughts, Sarah? Any thoughts on uh, Ms. Marvel? I can't believe you read all 50 um, issues. That's why. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't just read one issue. I had to read all of it. I just, it, it genuinely is such a lovely book. Um, and it does something that a lot of books don't, which is it touches on the politics of real life. Yeah. And politics in real life, but also the politics of real life of being a teenage girl. If you share a house with a teenage girl and you sometimes wonder what is going on in her head, read this book. I'm not saying she's a costume <laughs> superhero, but <laughs> she could be. It just, yeah. She could be, but it just gives you such an insight into into how teenagers think um, and how things that they have to put up with these days affect them. Because obviously, you know, I used to be a teenage girl, but we didn't have mobile phones then or as much internet as we do now and this book just just does such a good job of portraying what it's like um and some of the narrative things that just run through all 50 issues are brilliant so yeah go and read the book don't don't do what i do listen to the people on the podcast they know what they're talking about <laughs> sarah don't if I could just ask you one last question yes do you have a singular moment from the 50 issues that impacted you profoundly it's got to be the vote issue. The vote, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like when when there's that image of, of them just getting everyone together and everyone's coming out with these reasons why they don't vote and they're just smacking them down every time and it's just so powerful. Like there's the old guy going, oh, I don't vote because it's a protest. It's like you are being owned by like a 16-year-old girl here. Just get out there <laughs> and do it. That whole issue for me was just absolutely brilliant and it's what we need in this day and age. Yeah. We need teenagers like her out there being politicized and saying to people what you're doing is wrong you are not helping get on with it wow i'm gonna cry yeah <laughs> and also the bit where she stops the train is hilarious <laughs> just for comedy <laughs> <funny. laughs> for me the, uh, another one is there were those number of issues where kamala was trying to figure herself out yes and you'd only see her sometimes for a, a panel but as opposed to what was going on at, in Wonder Woman, where you weren't seeing her for three issues, and it, it, it wasn't, even, wasn't even her... I'm sorry. But here, <laughs> here, Kamala wasn't in her own book, and not that it didn't matter, but her spirit, her character informed every panel on every page. Right. Her friends understood what her absence meant and tried to fill it. And that's special. Yeah. I'll always remember the rooftop at the end of the first volume with the oh. secret secret war stuff going on all yeah. around her and she's just trying to save Jersey City because that's all mm. she can do. 
<laughs> oh, a lot of tears. A lot of tears shed that during those issues. <sighs> wow. Oh, Ms. Marvel making Jerry cry for 50 issues. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go back and read all 50. Sarah did do it. it. <laughs> yeah. Do it. Sarah, you shamed us. We're going to have to do that. Wow. That'd be a book club. Yeah. All right. All right. Kristen. <laughs> Tell us, tell us the elevator pitch for Modern Fantasy, <laughs> number one. Uh, what, what is Modern Fantasy, and uh, what, what, how did you feel about the release this past week? Oh my gosh, the release has, it's been amazing. It's been really, really cool. Very, very heartening to see how many people, first of all, picked it up and tweeted at me and stuff, and people seem to really, really enjoy it. So Modern Fantasy, I mean, the title kind of describes the basic context uh, concept uh, it, it takes place in a city called God's Helm which is kind of like a mix of uh, New York City and uh, <laughs> like Dungeons and Dragons -y, uh, fantasy tropes um, it, it's written by Rafer Roberts uh, who's just amazing he, his writing is really funny and very character driven which is why I was drawn to it um, and it's about a girl named Sage of the Riverlands who desperately wants to be an adventurer and like go on like a cool like quest or whatever um but she's instead stuck working at a crappy um data entry job uh like a soul-sucking corporate <laughs> existence <laughs> um but she one of her one of her friends gets kidnapped and then she's like shit i gotta go on an adventure now She's like woefully underprepared, but that's kind of the her her arc. Um, it's kind of the first issue is like kind of an introduction to her life, and it's kind of like a hangout sort of thing with the other characters. But uh, I don't, I'm not that I have I'm so it's so new that I'm ha, I don't really know how to describe it. But I guess it's kind of like Lord of the Rings meets Broad City. <laughs> yeah. I think you summed it up pretty pretty darn well right there. I'm I'm for that. You should you could have led with in a world. You know. <laughs> in a world, you're right. Well, because it, no it's it's somewhat like our it's somewhat like our own, you know, in terms of most things. But just as you say, it's a, there's a magic sky castle hanging over it. Mm. <laughs> you know, we have all sorts of D and D like creatures wandering about the streets, so they're all in nice clothes. But they do have the same crappy, boring jobs that we have. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's a great way to play up the differences between someone in, in Sage who, I did notice you you crafted some D&D &D scorecards for all of them. And she's a plus oh, yeah. five in daydreaming. <laughs> you know, that's her big power. And yeah, I, and Lizard Wizard, her, her roommate is a level 20 mooch. Yeah. <laughs> and he surely is. I mean, even though, granted, I mean, he has wizardy robes, but they do look awful like a bathrobe with stars and moons on them, don't they? <laughs> well, he's like a slacker dude, so. <laughs> yes. And, and her her boss, Bakdar, we all think, I, sh I shouldn't say this, we all kind of think our bosses are kind of ogres. <laughs> but Sage's really is one. It was very office spacey right there. Well, in, in this case, 
he's more of her coworker. I feel like he's like higher up than her. Oh, her okay. actual boss is that floating eyeball guy. Kind of <laughs> oh. like you know, yes. your boss being the all seeing eye catching you when you are on the internet when they walk by. Uh, I felt like yeah. I related to that person. Yeah. I love the fact that he calls her Miss Riverlands as well. (laughs) Because her name is Sage of the Riverlands. I was like, that's just so cute. Yeah. um, Kristen, how did you uh, get involved in the project? Uh, What happened was I met Rafer a couple years ago at New York Comic Con. And we just started chatting. And we really hit it off. And we were just like, we should work on a pitch together. And we both... I was... I was saying I wanted to do something that was fantasy, but was also fun. And he, he came up with this concept and I really liked it because I saw a lot of opportunities to kind of use magic as a way metaphorically to explore the the mundane details of life. Mm. If you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. I just, I just thought it would be really fun to, to approach that kind of story. Um, And it's been really fun for me as the artist because like you know if you're drawing a normal thing all the background people are just people but in this case i could just draw literally anything i wanted and just be like (laughs) yeah that's what this world has suddenly this world has like a big snake guy walking down the street why not i don't know or like there's a skeleton girl sitting on the couch because i thought it'd be funny to I, that was the joke. There was I was like, is she a dead person who's just been on the couch for a long time, or is she part of the party? Uh, Let alone those people she meets on the subway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> well, see, that was in in Rafer's script. He he had the uh, the it's called the Umber Hulk, that big bug guy eating okay. a bag of spaghetti on the subway. Oh, that. <laughs> that's a very like that's a very public transportation thing to to happen. Yeah. It's like someone disgusting sitting next to you and just like <laughs> ruining your day. As a New Yorker, I, I relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> how much of it is in how much of it is in Rafer's script and how much of it is you just being like, I'm gonna do whatever I want in this background? Uh it's you know, it was very, very collaborative and most of the time we were just kind of texting each other back and forth about like just like weird dumb ideas and stuff and just, you know, kind of spitballing and like working off of each other so i definitely added a lot of stuff but his script was was full of a lot of fun details already Hmm. but anything that wasn't in there i was like oh okay time to think of a a weird gag to throw in Hmm. for instance like their phones are eye scrolls yes it's like a little scroll (laughs) you get it (laughs) (laughs) that that was me and i was like so proud of that gag that i was like i'm gonna put this in every panel (laughs) (laughs) definitely should we, we we have things like Sugaroon's cereal. <laughs> yeah. Is oh, that yours that. or his? That was me. I, I love okay. cereal, so <laughs> <laughs> Curb oh. Curb Your Hellhound. Oh, that was Rafer. But that okay. was a, a case where I was like, I need something to put on this sign. Help me and he thought that up. So it was like it was fun. Uh, there is one that, that particularly struck a chord with me when she's making um and she's making coffee and all her co-workers there and there's a sign that says notice toaster privileges revoked you know what you did yeah um and i actually have a co-worker who set the toaster on fire so badly the fire brigade were called once <gasps> oh my so god i wow. really just need that sign <laughs> well, just to put came... up in the kitchen at my old job there was i remember one time 
there was never a toaster there. And then one time there was this lady and she was using a toaster. And I was like, where did, where did this toaster come from? And she was like, we hide it in the closet because people will like start fires. So I think I, I kind of pulled that from there because they didn't, they trusted us with many other things, but not with toasters. That's no, incredible. I, I need to ask, I'm such a fan of your work as everyone knows. It's the subtle details in things like body language and facial expressions. How hard is it to come up with, I need to to put one line in to change someone to the, it's from just sort of annoyance to, to fear, to worry. What's that process like? Well, that just happens to be what I really love to do. You know, for, for me, backgrounds and stuff are more boring, but like, and, but I'll do them, whatever. But, like, <laughs> facial expressions are, like, my favorite thing because I, I'm just an emotional person. So I, like, I think I'm just, a t- like, connected to my emotions extremely. Right. And I, I just have, have fun with that. But I, I'll work really hard on an expression that seems like it's just, like, three strokes of the pen because that, to me, is, like, it's how you get in the character's head, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, like, by under... It's... In fact, that was an interesting thing about collaborating, because this is my first, like, real collaboration like this, because usually I just do everything myself. Um, it was really fun, because I would read his script, and I would have to figure out, like, it would just say, like, the line that they said, but I'd have to figure out, like, how how do they feel about this? Like, what is a reaction one would have? And then think about other reactions someone might have. And in that way, it's, a lot of it is, like, is like being in a play, because it's like you get this script, and you have to figure out what the most interesting or realistic way that a character would say the thing and you have to do it visually so it's kind of a challenge but it's really fun too yeah you get people giving each other the side eye every now and again it's that <laughs> sort of you can see the shoulders slump it's like oh no i'm not buying what you're saying it's just stop. <laughs> just just, you, just move on <laughs> you know there's this there's this manga series that i was really really into when i was like a teenager called gravitation and the whole, like, it was, it was, had, like, the story was, like, non-existent. Like, it was honestly, it was just, like, it was about, like, a, a band um, making music. And it was also about gay romance, of course. Um, but, like, <laughs> but the, the artist, uh, Maki Murakami, she had the craziest facial expressions. Like, characters would just, like, their faces would go so insane every time anything happened. And I, I think... I found it so funny when I was reading those. I read them, like, probably each... It's, like, 12 volumes. I read them, like, dozens of times. Yes. Um, and I, I think I I think I kind of borrowed that from her, but, like, in a, in a way where I'm very glad I did because it was, like... It's what made me like her comics, so I was trying to pass that on. I think you definitely did, just with that mention here. But within your series itself, we... We have a lovely cliffhanger that I won't spoil by getting into it too deeply. But what's coming next is promising to be epic. Can I say it that way? Without, <laughs> oh, yeah, without, totally. Yeah. <laughs> because, because in Sage's head, as she's dealing with the, the, you know, the suits have shown up, the corporate suits have shown up, who, of course, tell you all the usual crap that those sort of people do. And she begins to daydream, and we see her, well, the boyfriend she dreams about is is there, and swordplay, and adventure. 
How crazy is this going to get as we move forward? Oh, it it gets pretty crazy. Oh, and one thing about those uh, the little creatures she's fighting, they're all like breakfast foods. <laughs> she, she like doesn't get breakfast, and it keeps being brought up like three times in the script. It's like her being like, "Oh, I don't get to eat my oh, breakfast." Look, yeah, so I was like, "She's dreaming about breakfast." Nice. <laughs> right? I, you know, I didn't notice that, but yeah, there's a, a glazed donut and some toast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, because I was. I figured she started kind of falling asleep at one point so during her fantasy sequence, so I thought maybe her subconscious would be popping yes, in there. Yes. And, and, on her, <laughs> and on her sword is the pink frosting from a donut. Nice. It's, blood. Just, it's like <laughs> oh. mix of viscera and food. I know, it's really disgusting, yeah. actually. <laughs> <laughs> but that's my, I love disgusting things, so, you know. I like, because so my style is cute. And so then if I make something gross, it's, I feel like I'm like fooling everyone. I'm like, got you. You oh, thought yeah. this was going to be cute. I mean, that's <laughs> why the book is so smart. Like, cause of the style, but then you open it and it's so not mature, but like, it's real. Like it deals with real stuff and it's absurd and wonderful. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Loved it. Do you, um, you mentioned that it's, uh, uh, four issues limited. Yeah. Right? Is there it's any four issues? hopes or plans that it would go get extended oh there's definitely hopes as long as people keep picking it up um i i think we have a really good shot yeah um dark horse is real. they've been really really good at you know getting behind it and everything they've been super supportive the whole time they've been a dream to work with uh i love dark horse um <laughs> and yeah they they really they they really believe in the book which which makes me feel good about the possibility of a, a second series or whatever you would call it awesome awesome one good point about that and people believing in the book um my local comic book shop i went in last week to pick my books up and the guy who runs the store he was like i've got this book you're gonna read it it's right up your alley i was like oh what is it and he went it's called modern fantasy i went yeah i know about that went, oh. but he basically he does like a um a curated pull once a month so anyone that has a pull list of i think it's 10 books or more he basically buys a whole bunch of issues and gives them away for free oh, oh my gosh um, yeah he's he's amazing so this month's curated pull was modern fantasy <gasps> seriously wow. yeah yeah so international <laughs> yeah oh um, no, he's a really nice guy. He buys a whole bunch of copies and he gives them to people that he thinks will be into the book, obviously in the hope that they will then order further copies of it. Um, but yeah, he was he was basically just talking up to loads of customers because there's a few of us that all sort of get there around the same kind of time and we like the same sort of books. Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, I just thought I'd let you know that... that... Please pass he... along my extreme, <laughs> extreme thanks. <laughs> well, he, he knew about it because Dark Horse told him about it. About it, you know, they they send out um, mailers and stuff to yeah. the guys, and they they do a lot of work with retailers. Um, yeah. And he just picked up on it and went. Yeah, I've got a lot of people that will like that sort of book. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been really. I, I've I've been like very pleasantly. Uh, I don't want to say surprised, but you know, when, when you make something, you don't, you don't know how people are going to feel, but it's been really awesome to see how many people have like connected to it. And I think that's because a lot of people work at 
crappy office jobs where they are daydreaming of doing something better. <laughs> I know that I definitely have. Oh, oh, and the uh, the 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 office themes are all like what my old job used to look like because I was like, I don't want to design a new office. I'll just use my memories. <laughs> so in that way, it's kind of funny because it's definitely it's my old jobs like coffee kitchen area and everything <laughs> pretty fun <laughs> that's incredible were they, were they hanging around talking about keeping up with the kobolds <laughs> <laughs> no i used to work at random house so they were talking about the like sam shepherd or some fancy oh, person <laughs> <laughs> oh boy i'd also love to mention your lettering we don't talk enough about lettering on the show this is all you right yeah. What? I, I don't understand. Yeah. Someone said my lettering was amazing. And it I, is. I don't understand at all. I thought it was a mistake when they said that because you know I typed this my font right. Yeah, but it. it we, we talk. We love lettering on the show. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about it often. Um, I, I'm really confused. What's good about? Yeah, it? I, I mean, really lettering is all digital. Not not all digital, but some people do it digitally now too, like you're saying. But like. There's something about, and it might be because you do the artwork too, that there's a synergy between the two. It oh, just, it just, they're related to each other. Yeah, they're they're organically okay. linked. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know what? You know why? Because the way I do my art process in this really weird way, because, uh, you know, I like, I need to do the lettering because I, uh, I just am control freak but uh <laughs> when i do my layouts i put the lettering in then so i know exactly where not to put art ah there you go mm-hmm. see so then, yeah so then That's i important. then i take the layout and i convert it to really light blue and i i take out the letters but i keep like a little circle where the bubbles are going to be and i print it out and i ink it traditionally so i always know exactly where things are gonna be yeah huh Apparently that that worked out for yeah. me. The letter, letters so are great. By that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and then yeah, when you get, I, when, I don't when, know. I don't know how to letter either. I always feel like I'm a, a faker because I I'm just a self-taught using Manga Studio. <laughs> oh, but it it has that organic quality to it. It just plays in perfectly with the artwork. And and then when you change it up a little bit, when Sage begins daydreaming. It's me, Sage of the Riverlands. It gets all fancy. It gets all yeah. fancy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you so know what? Cool. I did. I did make the font though. And if anyone wants it, any aspiring comic creators, it is for free online called Hench Girl Comic Font. Oh, <laughs> wow! Yeah. It's on DA Font. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You could make millions of dollars. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking back through it right now, and it, it, this is incredible. <laughs> you even like bold, like you, it's just it, this is great. <laughs> I, I know, isn't it crazy? No one else bolds words, right? It's really special. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, good snack. All right. <laughs> no, I honestly, I had a, a review that said that, and I was like, that's gotta be a typo. <laughs> That's hilarious. I just didn't know people noticed that stuff. Yeah, talking well, comics, do, very thorough. We, yeah. we, we do. Yeah, again, we, we do talk about it not nearly enough because we we make sure of writers and artists, and we tend to 
mention inkers and colorists, and it, it takes someone special to get us really to go off on lettering. And in this case, it was it was yours. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Top five letters. <laughs> yep. Chris and Good's neck. It'll be a new category this year. Best letterer. Hey, I've been breakthrough letterer. I've been pushing for it for the last few years. I know. Uh, I know. You know, it's like the it's the most boring, least fun part hey. of making a comic, doing the lettering. It's it's important though. It is. Like you it know, it would be really hard to read without letters. Yeah, and you also <laughs> you know bad lettering when you see bad lettering. Like that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Wow, it clashes with the art that goes with it. Actually, we were talking at Escape Pod. Uh, John Byrne used to tell a story when they were working Marvel Method, he and Chris Claremont on the X-Men. Chris would give him something. He'd draw a whole page of, of gorgeous John Byrne artwork. And then Claremont would fill an entire panel with a word balloon that explained what the artwork was doing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's one of the reasons they split up. So, yeah. Why did you do that? I, I that's like my pet peeve in comics. I really don't. If some if there's a if there's like a box that's not like dialogue, it's got to be like really quick and to the point and not describe things because that's what the art is there for, right? Never wrong. What hope? Modern Fantasy, awesome, awesome first issue. Kristen, any final comments or things about the book? Yeah, everyone, buy Modern Fantasy and then get issue two, which is out uh, this month. This month. <laughs> I should have looked that up before I did this. You're on a roll. It was great. Yeah. Buy Modern Fantasy. <laughs> July 20-something or other. Yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Well, we can find out what's going to happen next for Sage and Lizard Wizard. And Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Uh, before we get to uh, books that we're looking forward to this week, uh, which many of us will be getting in three hours, two hours at these yes. midnight sales, um, <laughs> there were just a few kind of movie comics related news bits that popped up this past week that, you know, just wanted to go around the table, get thoughts on. Um, first of which is everybody's favorite, Jared Leto. Is uh is will be will, has signed on to play Morbius the Living Vampire. Uh, it's already got a director, Daniel Espinosa, who directed Safe House and Life from last year, uh, and already has a script too from uh, Berg Sharpless and Matt Sazamo, who did the Lost in Space remake on Netflix. Oh. Good old Avi Arad is producing, uh, as well. Um. Yeah, I was surprised at how far along this project was when I read the the presser about it. Uh, but uh, Jared Leto, Morbius the Living Vampire. <laughs> Anybody? Uh, Anybody? Here's the thing. This is now Sony without Marvel, correct? Correct. I guess? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, who knows? But... The only thing with with Morbius as definitely anti-hero, this is Morbius was the first attempt Marvel had when they loosened up the comics code in '71 to try to you could use monsters, but they couldn't go all the way. So he's sort of a superhero in the Spider-Man universe. Okay, it's in, it's interesting in its own way, but it, it, as with so many of these other Spider-Man related titles, kind of needs Spider-Man to be around. <laughs> And I, they could make an interesting movie, but it's always going to seem a little short of backstory unless they do a heck of a job on this script they've got. 
Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I want to see a Morbius issue where he meets Spider-Man and Spider-Man has the six arms. Yeah. <laughs> I want Tom Holland with six arms. That'd be six arms, yeah. <laughs> two, yeah, two extra legs. and Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Sarah, Kristen, any thoughts on uh, Leto as Morbius? Um, uh, <laughs> actor I don't particularly care for stars as character I don't recall ever having read <laughs> <laughs> yeah I have the same exact feeling as you <laughs> yeah I don't I'm... I'm sure he'll do a job he'll do a job <laughs> a job Oh, oh I'm, I'm stealing that by the way <laughs> he'll do a job I you know I'm with you too on the idea of like and I guess Venom will be the test of you know yeah. how they do this Spider-Verse without Spider-Man um, we'll see how it goes uh, I it's just I, 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 the biggest surprise for me isn't so much Jared Leto being cast in this weird part but the fact that they already have a director and a script and everything's like ready to go, I was like, "Whoa, they've been like planning this out." Like, I don't know. We'll see. Um, the the Venom the Venom trailers were the Venom trailers. Uh, they they did a job, as you said. So <laughs> we'll see how it goes. There are two other news uh, bits that popped up this week that um, I think we'll probably be a little bit more excited about. Uh, uh, this one kind of broke just today or yesterday. Uh, Sony Pictures uh, landed the rights to Joe Henderson's Skyward, which we talked about on the show a few weeks ago, oh. too, um, with Brad Payton helming. And Legendary Films acquired Animosity by Marguerite Bennett, which we've talked about oh. on the show a few times yeah. with uh, the kind of dystopian uh, society where animals become intelligent and, you know, unleash their vengeance on us for consuming them and 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 doing everything that we've done to them over the over forever uh so so two of our kind of um two of our kind of talked about indie books have, have gotten picked up which are very exciting um any thoughts on on either of those two looking i'll jump in on animosity yeah, sorry Bob. go 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 please um yeah no i i read probably probably the first three arcs of animosity in single issues um picked up the first of the two tie-ins really really good brilliant concept you know the world wakes up one day and animals can not only think for themselves but they can speak um the to be honest the only reason i stopped picking up the single issues is that the number of adverts in them used to really bug me because you'd think you had a massive comic book and then like 50% of the book was just his adverts for other books. Um, but really looking forward to that. Hope that they keep Bennett involved um, in the writing of it because she she basically is animosity to me. Um, but yeah, if, if they do it well, it will be brilliant. Um, and also probably quite heartbreaking because of some of the animals. Um, and I really want to know who they're going to get to voice Sandor. Because he's adorable, and I love him, and he's so sweet. Hmm. Yeah, that that is a key. You have to make all those characters sing in the same way the book does, and we've all hear, heard different voices in our heads. But everything you say, Sarah, is the thing. It is thought-provoking, it is heartfelt, it is heartbreaking. And if you can get that across, you'll have people weeping in the aisles and standing up and cheering for certain really violent, awful events. <laughs> but all, 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 all owned and earned. Mm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I'm assuming 
I'm assuming, fingers crossed, yeah, Marguerite gets a shot at at least throwing a draft into this. Right. <laughs> I haven't read it, but from your description, it sounds amazing. Yeah. And I am very excited to read it very soon. Yeah, the, the thing with the ads is Aftershock as a very new company spent the, the last third, basically, of every one of their books promoting the rest of the line. Yeah. And that got us all to buy some other Aftershock books, but after a while, it, it does get a little old. Is it still the case mm. digitally? If you buy the book digitally, do they have all those ads in it? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. No idea. Interesting. I just I just pick up trades now right. on them um, because they, they are fun. And the way that they had the couple of tie-ins... Um, I didn't read Evolution, but I did read The Rise, which sort of looked at it from a different perspective. Because obviously the, the, the Animosity Mainline book is about a girl who's trying to travel cross-country over America from one side to the other to find her brother. Um, and she's got her dog with her. And obviously, you know, they meet friendly animals, mess around animals. But The Rise is just all from the animal's perspective. Um, and some of it is incredibly clever. Huh. sort of getting getting into the heads of the animals and how different animals would respond to different people and how if they could suddenly tell a human this is how you've been treating me this is what i think of you very very well done so yeah, yeah like i said if they keep bennett in on it then then it should be absolutely brilliant because she is just a genius i'll just never forget the cows in the first issue oh <laughs> like their first thoughts are just like what have i done <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just shocking. Uh it was that book. I that book was just like all like awe inspiring. Like it was just mouth agape reading that first issue. Yep. Yeah. No, I'd be uh, very into it. Her her other aftershock series, which I absolutely adored also is uh Insects. I N S E X T S, which is Victorian feminist Cronenbergian body horror. Yeah, and it's brilliant. Talking and about talking about Charlotte Bronte over here. Come on. Yeah, man. it is. It is Charlotte, it is Charlotte Bronte crossed with Giger. <laughs> oh, cool. so, yeah, it it works though, and I don't know that that one's coming back. I spoke to Ms. Bennett at, at the last Comic Con, and it was well, the, a lot of people love it, but we we haven't really come up with anything yet. But right. we'll see. I'm hoping cool yeah so a little bit of movie news there and uh obviously this weekend we got a big movie release from the, the marvel the marvel no, studios no, no we don't no oh did you did you guys already get it no when do you guys get it third of august what? you get it in august well you can't possibly release a movie when the world cup is happening because there is clearly no crossover of the demographic between <laughs> football people and movie people wow so i i don't understand apparently you can't watch football and movies at the same time so it's impossible we're gonna we're <laughs> we gonna, don't get it until august how are you so we're talking about Ant-Man and the wasp right now and you get yeah. it a month after us i will not be interneting for no, a month? You can't. That's impossible. <laughs> you don't even I watch trailers. Dang. <laughs> wow. So, well, we just won't talk about it then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited fun. for it. There's this, like, web show that I, I watch. I'm, like, obsessed with. Do you know who Tim, Tim Heidecker is from, like, Tim and Eric? He's a no. comedian. No? Oh. No. Well, he's, he's in Ant-Man and the Wasp. 
he plays a whale tour guide guy and <laughs> oh. um it's like a bit part uh but uh anyone who's an on cinema fan which is a the movie web show that i love will have to watch ant-man and the wasp because it also contains like weird lore for this web show on cinema <laughs> wow. it, it's very exciting that's so awesome. in the first movie, one guy from the show was in it as the guy at Baskin Robbins, Dale. Oh, okay. oh the boss? Yeah, he was <laughs> great. <laughs> and then they brought the director of Ant-Man onto their show. And like he was like, Tim was yelling at him and saying to give him a part or whatever. And now he's in the next one. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> That's the reason I'm excited for that movie. Nice. Which is really weird, but like, whatever. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so that comes out here this weekend, and then obviously next month in in England. Uh, so I am excited for it though, genuinely. Yeah, I'm so really looking forward to it. I love the first one. Check it out if you do get a chance to to see it this weekend. Uh, I think that uh, we'll be talking about it on the show next week, so you're more than welcome to tweet at us or email us <laughs> your responses to A Man and the Wasp. Um, uh, but let's jump into what other books we're looking forward to this week. Obviously, we've talked about uh, Catwoman number one and Batman number 50 um, dropping this evening into tomorrow for New Comic Book Day. Um, also on my list is Captain America number one from Ta-Nehisi Coates and Len Yil Yu, uh, which I'm very, very excited about. It's been getting a lot of positive buzz. Um a final issue of Assassinistas over at IDW. I've talked about this book a couple of times on the show. A lot of fun. Issue six, last issue. I'll be reading that. The final issue of Incognito Renaissance. Um, and then X-Men Gold number 31, The Aftermath wow. of the Wedding. I'll definitely be checking that sucker out as well. Um, Bob, what are you looking forward to this week? Well, as always, every month, Paper Girls. So, new issue of that. Need to see where we're going and how we moved into the future, which, whose future it is and how they got there, we're just starting to really learn. But uh, just every month, uh, great, great job. Giant Days, number 40, as the girls get back into, into the school year. We have Gail Simone and Walter Giovanni's Red Sonia Tarzan. Which sounds like it makes no sense whatsoever, but it's Gail Simone, so it works and brilliantly. We have Ant-Man and the Wasp, the comic by Mark Wade, number three, oh. with Scott Lang and Nadja. There's, I think, one more after that to go. Perfectly timed for this. And we get Marvel Rising. I guess it's Alpha. So we have Devin Grayson writing, but also G. Willow Wilson and Ryan North. On this Ms. Ooh. Marvel Squirrel Girl crossover. So all yeah. the regular voices are there, too. Sweet. Uh, Kristen, do you get to pick up books on New Comic Book Day? <laughs> I, don't, I don't usually do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> She's busy making them. You're not wrong. Yeah, You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> when it's time to read, sometimes I'm also like, I've been doing comics all day. It's time to read a book book. <laughs> yeah but um no i took, took a lot of notes of y- y'all's recommendations uh-oh uh-oh killer be killed motherland <laughs> animosity <laughs> nice uh sarah you said you had a big list yeah 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 it's 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 my big week um 
so obviously Catwoman I'm going to pick up um, Dark Ark number 8 is coming out which is written by Cullen Bunn um, art from Hondo absolutely love that book that was one that I picked up because everyone was talking about it Highest House number 5 is coming out over here obviously I spoke about that earlier I'm also going to pick up the Marvel Rising Squirrel Girl Ms. Marvel Alpha number 1 I don't know what they're calling it um, there's a book that I will pick up even though I have no idea what it is. It's called The Quantum Age from the World of Black Hammer. Um, Jeff Lemire has basically built this entire crazy world around his Black Hammer series, and all of the tie-ins are just absolutely brilliant. Um, it's got Wilfredo Torres on art, so I will pick that up. And Death or Glory number three is coming out, which is... Um, oh my God, my brain's just gone dead. Rick Remender and Bengal so that's coming out and then another book or my last book is vagrant queen number two which is written by mags Pizzaggio, and the art is from jason smith covers by natasha alterisi first one came out a month ago it's absolutely brilliant it's basically about um it's kind of another interdimensional bounty hunters family drama now that i think of it but it's completely different <laughs> from other lands um yeah there's a, a, a woman with a past he's trying to escape from it um but her ship gets blown up and then somebody comes looking for her and a big secret is revealed so i'm really looking forward to that so i'm gonna drop far too much money at the comic book shop tomorrow. Does sound that way yeah well, at yeah. least you won't have to buy a ticket to a man and the wasp this week oh, oh. <laughs> hey yeah that was low yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go now, Jeremy. <laughs> no, please I'm, don't. I'm, re- I'm really glad I stayed up until three in the morning to talk to you. Oh no, I feel so guilty now. <laughs> oh dang! As you should. Um, so yeah, I mean, it is a huge week for for comics, um, and like I said, a lot of shops are doing a midnight release. So if you're going out, be safe and and get some cool books tonight. And if you're doing your regular new comic book day, enjoy your new regular new comic book day too. Um, Bob, you had some closing thoughts uh, for this week that you wanted to share. Yeah, um, I, I hate to I seem to be always the bearer of bad news, but it is hopefully a way to then celebrate the life and work of one of the absolute titans of science fiction. Harlan Ellison passed this week at 84. He had been ill uh, for a couple of years after having a presence in the industry since really the 1950s when he began writing pulp magazine stories. This is most famous work for a lot of people, which was made into a film some years ago as A Boy and His Dog. Uh, but also it is it's, it's social criticism. He wrote movie reviews, television, books lambasting television. It was uh, two volumes of it called The Glass Teat. The whole idea being... We uh, a, a medium that should have been educational and transformative was just being turned into something to just suckle the masses into stupidity. Harlan Harlan wrote stories about the human condition, the struggle of the human condition, and basically, no matter what the setting, far-flung planets, post-apocalypse, it was about surviving with dignity. And he, is, as a person, was... Uh, a great friend to all sorts of people in the industry and without. He did many things without asking for any sort of credit. And then on top of that, he was the world's biggest curmudgeon and my complete role model. Harlan uh, would, 
he, he, at his death, I'm winging all this, so bear with me because I started to write things and I was um, staining the page. He, (laughs) he left instructions with his wife, Susan, that upon his death, she would burn all his notes and throw away every unfinished thing he ever wrote so the those literary grave robbers won't get at them. He won lawsuits or settled lawsuits against people like James Cameron, who is Terminator, now the films carry with acknowledgement to the works of Harlan Ellison because basically he borrowed the major ideas. He won a lawsuit against AOL when they were post for posting his works online so people could could just swipe them off the internet. It was always, he'd stand in front of convention crowds, pay for the things. Someone created these. Someone wrote that music. Someone wrote those books. And he got them to, to agree to that. But it was about the work. All those other things are marvelous. It was my pleasure to have some amazing conversations with Harlan at the local icon over here where he would sign and everyone got a moment. Everyone got a story to the point. Well, I have a uh, copy of his original teleplay for city on the edge of forever. Not only did he sign my book, he signed it with a pen. He had won at an auction that belonged to Agatha Christie that she wrote her plays with. Um, There was one time was his last icon where he was holding up the line so much, he ordered pizza for the line and walked up and down the line delivering slices of pizza. Oh so, yes, God. he was a he was a he was your he was a cranky old man, but he was a brilliant man with heart and humanity for everyone. And again, it is in those stories. Uh, I have no mouth and I must re- repent Harlequin said the TikTok man. Uh, he edited Dangerous Visions, which is still the most brilliant collection of science fiction stories ever assembled but i'll I'll, we're going over i i apologize he told a story at at the last icon where he was looking to just generate some money i mean he's everyone needs it creator or not and he was thinking of writing an animated version of kurosawa's seven samurai sort of set in space and while he's doing this he gets a phone call from 20th century fox um Mr. Ellison, we'd really love to have you write an animated feature because then we don't have to worry about the budget and you can do whatever you want. And funny you should mention it. I was just working up an idea. And the, the person in charge, the suit said, well, you can come down to the office. And no, I don't come down to your office. You come down to my house and we'll talk. Day goes by. Uh, the executive shows up. It's a it's a young woman in a power suit with a couple of toadying assistants coming on behind her. Okay, what's your idea? And so he says to, to them, the assembled group, it is Kurosawa's Seven Samurai in Space. And he gets blank looks from five people. Seven Samurai? You know, hired hired samurai, they save a village. Magnificent Seven, Steve McQueen, Yule Brenner, Charles Bronson, <laughs> nothing. Get out of my house. But, 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 out. I'm not working for someone who understands nothing. (laughs) And he, in essence, threw away a quarter of a million dollars, a half a million dollars. It was not as important to him as doing the right work for the right reason for the right audience. And uh, it was my pleasure 
to be corrected by him one day when I, we were talking about his Star Trek script when he was signing my book and that they both won awards. It was, well, you know, you, you can have your cake and eat it too. And he went, no, that's wrong. What do you mean? That doesn't make any sense. Think about it. <laughs> it should be the other way around. You, you, you want to have your cake and eat it too. I went, oh, never thought of that. Never thought of that. So that's, it's the sort of thing that, that was part of his personality. It's made every time you saw him very often in concert with Peter David, or they just bounce ideas off each other, just go on into these wonderful rants. There's a great documentary, an autobiography that came out a couple of years ago called Dreams with Sharp Teeth, which describes him absolutely perfectly. You want to, there are numbers of collections around of both his short stories, teleplays, his critiques. One's called Harlan Ellison's Watching, hmm. which you don't want him watching you necessarily. But I'll, I'll leave you with this quote that he, he it was up on his website for the longest time. Uh, you must never be afraid to go there. And I think that says a lot. Yeah. You'll be missed, Harlan. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Bob. That's well. going to do it for this week's edition of the Talking Comics Podcast. As always, you can send us comments or questions through our email, podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. We are also on the twit at Talking Comics. Uh, don't forget to check out our website, TalkingComicBooks.com, for news, reviews, and articles about comics, video games, TV shows, and much more. We have so many podcasts that you can listen to pretty much every day of the week. Talking Comics, Talking Games, Talking Valiant, Adventure, and Ladies of Valhalla, hosted by our very own Sarah Miles. Thank you so much for being on the show this week. No worries. Thank you for having me. Of course. Where can our listeners uh, find and get in touch with you? Um, you can find me on all of the various social medias at Geek Country Lady. Um, and if you want to get in touch with the ladies of Valhalla, we are at Valhalla Ladies, anywhere that media is social. Nice. <laughs> 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 um, and uh, Kristen, thank you so much for being on the show this week. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Uh, Modern Fantasy, pick it up and shop. Um, where can our listeners find you and get in touch with you? Uh, on Twitter and Instagram, I am hedgegirl underscore comic, which Aww. I should probably update because <laughs> <laughs> I have other stuff now, but I've got to figure that out. It's your brand. It's going to run forever. Yes. This is true. My sister took K God's Nook, so unfortunately. Oh. oh. <laughs> is she asking for money for it? We had that trouble with talking comics. <laughs> <laughs> She actually retweets all my stuff, so if anyone okay. follows wow. Gutsnack, you'll still be getting the same content. <laughs> is she, like a week later. Is she older or younger? She's two years older. Uh, yeah, I did the same thing to my yeah. brother. He is also a J name, and I took all the J Pacino, like, like all of them on anything. It was just so easy. Um, yeah. Cool, awesome. And Bob, where can our listeners find you? I'm still at Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com on the old-fashioned emails. Excellent. Uh, and you can find me at Joey Bergino on the Twit and the Insta. Um, not for the next few weeks, though. I will be going uh, off the grid to do another one of those summer workshops like I did last year. So if you send me a bunch of messages, I just won't respond. 
because uh, <laughs> I'll be doing academic stuff. But hey, it's cool. Um, yeah. yeah, so tune in next week for Ant-Man and the Wasp review and more comics as always. Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the show, send us a little review, and we always love your comments on the uh, media that is social to steal Sarah's uh, line from before <laughs> and in the email as well. So thanks so much for listening. Uh, and that's it for this week. As always on Talk Comics, to be continued. Right in front of the air conditioner. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> Sorry, you, can't hear, you can't hear it, right? No. Okay. No. What is 75 degrees in English? Um, uh, like 30? Oh, no. Let no. me Google this. Um, 30? 74. 24. 24, that seems balmy. Yeah. Uh, we... so what's, what's 95? That's like 45. <laughs> I know oh. that. Yeah. We had 31 today, which is like 88. Ooh. Are you in England? I am just taking a wild guess. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Kristen, this is Sarah. Is right. <laughs> I don't know, you could be like Madonna. Like, you're like, I'm just pretending to be British. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really hope my British accent is better than Madonna's. It really is. Don't worry. Your actual accent? <laughs> Yeah, my actual accent that I've always had since I was born. Yeah. <laughs> oh, crap. I need to know what the introduction is. All right, here we go. <laughs> I don't know anything. Not, I don't there it is. Do I this. see it. No, I got you it. Got I can read the introduction. I'll just pretend to be you. Yeah, do my voice. <laughs> do my voice, Sarah. Yeah, do the accent. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. I can't do your voice. I can do my voice or I can do Russian. That's yeah. it. Excellent. What's Ooh. your Russian Russian spy name? I do not actually have Russian spy name. I normally <laughs> claim to be Natalia Romanov. Oh, very nice. <laughs> I once spent entire convention in London talking like this while dressed as Black Widow. <laughs> awesome. Was bought many free vodkas. Mm. They just give no, out vodka at conventions? I, no, there was a bar. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> People just bought me drinks because they thought I was a bit mental. Excellent. Yeah. Because that's how you fix it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crazy person, put alcohol put in alcohol. there. Put alcohol in there. <laughs> it evens it out. <laughs>